Hello and welcome to another episode of Cavell Cloud Conversations. My name, once again, Finbar Goodbegley, Senior Research Analyst at the Cavell Group, joined by my lovely colleague Patrick Watson, uh, also a research analyst here at Cavell, and our Director of Research Services, Dominic Black. How are we all doing, everyone? Very well, thanks, Finbar. Brilliant, brilliant. We are recording this episode today because Dom has just returned from the lovely San Francisco where he was attending a large event with Zoom. How was it, Dom? It was great, yeah. It was uh, yeah. Zoom's analyst conferences are always very, well, actually really useful from an analyst perspective. The engagement you get from their senior team, I think, is fairly unrivaled um, compared to other analyst events I've been to in the past. Yeah, was there a bit of a party? I mean, it was in San Francisco. It's quite a nice city. Yeah, we were just outside in Palo Alto, and there was a yeah. We had a wonderful little trip up into the the hills. I'm not sure exactly where it was. We all jumped on a bus, but um, yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful place uh, called oh, I can't remember the name, but it was very nice. It was a wedding venue, and yeah, one of those mm. places that you're like, oh, I could live here. This is nice, you know. It's very nice. I have not been to the US recently on a uh, analyst junket, shall we say, or a to an event. Um, not since last year, and that is fun. I think. What do you think your highlight from the event was then? Well, I think it's it's an interesting one where every single event that we end up going to at the moment, people are talking around AI, and I think what we're seeing is. AI being embedded into everything. Um, obviously, there's a lot that's going to be under NDA, so I can't talk about that now. And I'd urge you to go to Zoomtopia at the start of October, um, where I know a lot of the announcements they made to us, the analysts, um, to get our feedback on what they're doing. Um, they're going to be going public um, at Zoomtopia. So some really interesting stuff uh, um, around what they're doing with AI there. Um, I think some of the key things that came out and stood out to me is zoom continues to execute i think a lot of people see them as a and still think of them as just a video conferencing uh, company but zoom phones got over six million users now um and compared that against the, the majority of the market a significant number of uh, of cloud communications users on on their phone platform you tie that then in with what they've launched around their contact center and the enhancements making on that um, it's a really solid product um with a wide range of different capabilities now which really tick tick a lot of the boxes there so yeah i was really impressed with yeah, their story of where they are from where they've been as a video conferencing provider then to kind of unified communications provider as they are now with collaboration uh contact center in on that and then that future looking at you know, the platform and how they can embed zoom uh into different applications as well as they move forward and did they announce any new features for that phone platform at the event you were at or anything interesting that you can talk about um, in terms of features, probably not so much in terms of what I can talk around. Uh, from the AI perspective, certainly there was a number of different uh, discussions around what they're doing with AI, bringing that in um, across kind of meeting summarization, team chat, composing messages, um, as well as yeah, agent assist throughout the contact center. And they're taking a kind of federated approach um, across uh, open federated approach across multiple different AI uh, and large language models using open AI anthropomorphic um, and meta as well for different situations on that and I think one of the interesting things that's come up in the last day or so is you know, looking at you know, been a lot of chatter on the on the news around what's 
happening around Zoom and AI um, in the terms and conditions. Someone found something which looked a lot like um, what looked like the uh, Zoom were using all interactions um, and putting those into their AI engines and training. That's not the case. What Zoom have been very clear about is its opt-in. If you want your conversations and you want date your de- if you want uh, and allow uh, your data to be used, you're going to get more benefits out of using the Zoom platform. But if you don't want any of your data being used in the AI models, none of that is going to be used. Um, so. As much as people are saying that Zoom are taking all this data, they're not unless they you specifically say so within their settings. So and I think that's, that's that's an interesting. Sorry, I think that's I think to say that's vitally important. I know Patrick, when we talked about AI a few weeks ago, one of the big conversation topics we had was the fact that deciding what actually gets fed into the engine and having the right to be forgotten is a huge important part of it. So it's kind of good to see companies like Zoom leading the way from a brand perspective in terms of within a business setting letting you say this conversation's fine but there is that undercurrent of if you want the platform to work the best with ai for you then you better let it have access to as much as possible right yeah yeah i think that that compliance thing is key and i think zoom effectively have to lead the way you look at those most recognizable communications brands you're talking zoom you're talking cisco you're talking microsoft they have to lead the way and they work in so many heavily regulated and compliance based industries they're going to have to put those uh, sort of uh, insurances and restrictions in so that companies effectively can customize their requirements uh, in terms of what what data is uh, shared don't i had a question as well about a topic that's close to my heart uh, enterprise social yes okay. yes yeah, so, i mean zoom, zoom announced Work Vivo, um, the acquisition a few weeks, well, maybe it was longer than a few weeks ago, but it was great meeting the team from Work Vivo who were there kind of presenting what they're doing uh, with that and how that will work with Zoom. Um, for those who don't know what, yeah, enter, what do you call it, an employee engagement platform was, yeah, you as a business will have an intranet saved somewhere and you also have yeah, working out how you communicate with your organization at scale um whether that used to be you'd send out a mass email or newsletter or um you'd have a kind of teams channel or a zoom chat channel or a chat channel somewhere where you'd kind of send praise and send what you're doing as a company what work vivo does bring all of that into one platform so you're able to really engage with your employees run surveys of them um bringing in some of those kind of HR like elements um, and really sharing the vision of the company um, down to every single employee. I think culture is so important and culture starts at the top. And if you're able to push that culture to your employees using a platform like WorkVivo, I think it'll be really interesting. I think where WorkVivo and Zoom sits, um, I still don't think that's fully worked out. And yeah, how these two actually integrate, how they're going to work from a commercial standpoint as well. Um, but you can definitely see some benefits coming through of, well, if Zoom can pull this in and use Zoom uh, meetings and Zoom webinars throughout that platform as well, is that going to give a better experience going forward? Um, so I think there's there's some really good stuff that I think can, can be pulled on that. So as always, yeah, we're seeing businesses bringing new software and bringing new capabilities into their, their collaboration um, communications platforms and yeah, turning these 
providers more into a platform provider rather than just kind of point solution selling UCAS or CCAS. Um, I think that whole solution um, and embedded in different applications is going to be really it, powerful going forward. It really does make a lot of sense because, I mean, I certainly know having worked with big companies in the past that the internet was ever present and, you know, when you logged in in the morning on your computer, the first web page, default homepage on the company, you know, browser was the company intranet. And you had to see, you know, the, you had to see the updates of the, the company barbecue and the socials and things like that that were happening. And, you know, you make fun of it when you're there, but it is actually good and it is actually fun to feel connected. And, you know, oh, Carol, you know, she's roasted a whole hog. Great. Go, Carol. You know, but it, it does make you feel more connected to a company. And the fact is that when people come in in the morning, they are booting up Zoom, they're booting up Teams, they're booting up their collaboration platform. And if those updates are there, if that social tether to the company is there first thing in the morning, you know, that does make you feel more connected to the company you work for. So I think it's a very smart area for collaboration tools to expand into. I think we've seen a massive rise in this, obviously post-pandemic, where effectively you have to be able, as Don was saying, to ensure company culture in much more disparate workforces and we've seen that focus on the 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 more employee user well-being side both from an analytics perspective but also from an engagement perspective from from multiple vendors uh, and obviously zoom with the, with the latest news here although i think there's been some news about uh, zoom's mandate of where their employees work recently which which is interesting considering the the software that they provide but i think those uh whether you call it enterprise social whether it's employee engagement obviously microsoft had uh yammer which has now been um pushed into the sea to become part of um viva insights or or, or the viva platform so uh, but we, but we've seen it from from other uc vendors as well that real focus so i think partly driven by the pandemic and ensuring culture can be uh, enabled across um, disparate workforces, I think, is something that we've we've really seen a focus on over the last few years. So it's a very interesting, interesting area. Yeah. Yes. I think uh, Work Viva brings some really good clients with them as well. Um, I don't know which names I can mention on here, but um, yeah, talking about a number with over a hundred thousand users on, so some pretty significant enterprises coming through. So whether that cross sell up sell opportunity. Uh, for one, Zoom being able to sell to work Vivo's base, but also Zoom has a significant base of customers, which if they can start selling the work Vivo platform to would be a great revenue upside for them in the long run. And that was a big question coming out for Zoom out of the pandemic was they've now got this like not overnight, but over the course of a year or two skyrocketed to levels of brand recognition that most companies would dream of and levels of consumer and customer awareness that most companies would dream of, even if it's just the free client or the free, you know, platform version doing your two, three hours of free calling a day. And the question, of course, what do they turn that into? And these these smart acquisitions of specific companies with existing customer bases with strong cross-sell and upsell, um, you know, possibilities is how you leverage that brand in a smart way yes yeah, so as i was saying you know zoom is taking this approach of leveraging that brand name to build themselves another business and taking on other forms of smart acquisitions they're of course not the only company that's doing that some other news while you were in america of course is the acquisition by ring central of hopin an events platform that most of us have used at some point during the pandemic um though maybe star faded slightly now the um you know, virtual event scene is dying down a little bit, but still like very valid technology, very, very important 
to get a virtual element to a lot of events now, you know, maybe you can't travel to as easily. What do you think about that acquisition? Well, I think we've seen a number of different, yeah, let's take a step back. We, we were one of Hopkins' first customers back in the, uh, mm -hmm. back in 2020. And we realized very quickly as the pandemic was sitting, we needed a way to be able to run our webinars and make sure people are engaging with us. And we hosted a number of major events. And it was good. Them. It was really good. And yeah, it was really good. We've all been very impressed with it. And I think we we still use it to some extent for some of our webinars going forward. I think where where I think the, the challenge for them was, yeah, how did Hopin diversify and bring in new products into mm -hmm. that? I think like, that's where Zoom were very successful. And you look at Zoom's portfolio going forward uh, and what they've done since the pandemic, and they've made some great acquisitions into um, different areas. So they're able to offer a multitude of communication services and platforms now from the kind of CPaaS element uh, from the APIs um, and their marketplace they're building all the way to their own webinar product. I think it was interesting, as you mentioned here, Ring Central making the acquisition of Hopin. I think it's very much a technology buy rather than a customer buy. Um, I know our cost and our spend on uh, on on Hopin went from fairly solid five figures per year down to three figures per year, exactly. uh, and a lot of that was driven because. Well, look, we're going back to face-to-face -to -face events. Um, we're going and meeting people now. Do we still need to have this platform? However, the technology they built, I think, was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think where Ring Central's uh, hopefully going to benefit off the back of that is bringing some of that customizable um, uh, webinar spaces, bringing some of that uh, ease of login and making sure the meeting experience is really good. If they can bring some of that hop-in secret source and technology into their portfolio i think that's going to be really good for them in the long run and i think it's important to emphasize that as an events business where networking is such a core feature of our events and you know getting the right people in the right room to have natural conversations it makes sense for us to move back towards in-person events as quickly as possible but that isn't true across the entire events industry there's lots of webinars panels you know online digital events where the content is king and people aren't expected to come down for an entire day um where something like hopin you know delivered firing central is is the perfect tool for for so many of the events there's so many events that fit that profile so i think there's just it is actually quite a market once this initial wave that we've been seeing of everyone pushing to be more in person because they couldn't be in person ends there will be more of an equilibrium where these virtual events happen more and more and, and dom it wasn't all of hopin's assets was it that that ring central acquired no Streamyard still sits within a separate company it was it was the webinar platform and the events platform that they, they've acquired yeah. there um so sessions as well and i think uh, the majority of the, the teams from that are going the team are going over from that acquisition so yeah was a an interesting buy. I, I don't think it's going to be a big revenue driver, but I think from a increasing their capabilities and actually bringing them some really good technology, I think it is going to be the real driver for, for that there. So, um, yeah. I mean, in my mind, it's actually one of the more interesting types of acquisitions. Because if you look at acquisition and you say, oh, they just bought 100,000 customers, you know, or something like that, you're like, okay, that makes perfect sense monetarily. When someone takes a gamble on a technology or a group of people or a skill set, that's actually a much more interesting acquisition because the question is not, oh, they bought it because it makes them more money. It's what what do they do next? What do they do next with that technology? Yep. What do they do next with those people that they've acquired? Um, which I think is quite interesting. Yep. 
great. I don't think that was also, I mean, yeah, it's been a, yeah, it's August and August is usually a bit quiet for news. Um, but yeah, certainly seen a, yeah, Ring Central making a lot of waves um, as well in the last week. So yeah, we also saw Vlad stepping down as CEO. Um, so that was announced last night that he's going to be stepping down and moving to chairman role and uh, they're bringing in a new CEO. Uh, so yeah, big changes there. And also, Finally, we saw the launch of their native contact center solution as well. Um, so this has been something that we've been expecting them to do for a long time. They've worked very closely with NICE um, as their contact center. Um, but yeah, fascinating to see how this is going to play out uh, with their own native native contact center solution. So we have that new CEO coming in at Ring Central, And you said along with the announcement of their new native contact center platform. And I think... If we, we, we look up his name, he's coming from HPE. Um, is it Tarek Robiati? I'm hoping I'm not butchering that. Um, you know, you never know with American names. It's like a blend of different backgrounds and cultures. But he's coming from HPE. I think he was CFO at HPE, which gives me an impression, like very enterprise technology focused, very financial minded. What kind of impact do we think that kind of enterprise focus from like HPE being a huge you know behemoth in that space is going to have on a company like Rig Central. yeah I mean it's uh, H CFO of HPE he was CFO of Sprint beforehand as well so he's got telecoms background with Sprint um HP obviously from a enterprise um business enterprise communicate enterprise business background um but he's a CFO, it looks like, has roles. And obviously, he's had some C-level CEO roles as well previously and historically as well through there. So uh, for me, it's a, yeah, a focus on finance, a focus on, OK, let's drive higher margin. It's not a technology person coming in and leading a product discussion here. Mm. I think it's very much a, OK, well, how do we become profitable? How do we yeah, take Ring Central for its next period of growth? Um, in a stage that's going to be yet financially viable in the long run. So I think it's a, an astute acquisition. Um, and obviously, Vlad's still going to be involved in the business and uh, making sure that comes through. So, yeah, certainly interesting to see that. And how that's maybe going to maybe well. even the potential for more smart acquisitions, if the money makes sense. Uh, you know, those kind exactly. of calculations make a lot of sense to CFO types who step up, step up to a CEO level. Um, I know, Patrick, you wanted to talk a bit more about contact center at Ring Central. Is that something you wanted to expand yeah. on? Yeah, I, I think it's it's really interesting with the development of their own proprietary solution. I mean, RingCentral have always had contact center assets. They've made acquisitions previously, DeMello. Uh, and as Dom said, they'd partnered with leading providers in the space like NICE for large enterprise deployments. But they've always had their own internal proprietary assets to cope with customer contact requirements. I think... This is particularly interesting because it just follows an ongoing theme that is this shift towards customer experience as an absolutely key asset within technology. I think if you're any type of communications provider, unified communications provider, you probably need to have some sort of contact center asset um, in order to effectively equip your customers with the software they need for, for managing day-to-day -day workflows. I mean, if you look at some of Ring Central's key competitors, 8x8, have contact center assets in that space with their x-series licenses if you look at cisco a very strong traditional premises based and now cloud-based 
contact centre and CCAS offering. Uh, and I think this just emphasises that focus we're seeing across technology vendors globally, that customer experience is a, is a real provides a real opportunity in terms of greater revenue and margin generation compared to those traditional UCAS markets or communications markets where some of those traditional revenue streams in terms of minutes might be being squeezed. And I think contact centre and customer experience provision potentially uh, represents some sort of supplementary revenue stream. So it, it's a very smart move from our side. So I'll be really interested to see uh, what the solution looks like when we get uh, full demos. Mm, for sure. And I imagine we will get the chance to have a good look at it um, as soon as it becomes available, um, thanks to our good relationship with that company. And that will make a lot of sense when we actually start to see how it differs and we can give people the update on what makes it so exciting. Well, I think we've covered a lot of news on today's episode, which is a bit of a change from mine and Patrick's usual opinionated uh, focused discussions, but that's all right. Um, I think when we attend an event like that, it is a good idea to give you, the listeners, sort of a good lowdown on everything that was discussed and all the interesting points there. So expect more of that from us in the future. Um, I guess a bit of a summary, you know, just in terms of, you know, Zoom having a lot of phone users expansion in that regards. Um, new CEO at Ring Central, launch of their native contact center platform. Any other main highlights we want to remind people of before we wrap up? For me, it's 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 Zoom's continuing innovation across multiple different product areas, and yeah, going beyond what they were as just a video conferencing provider. Now you see them in multiple different roles, multiple different services, um, and really building a communication platform for the future, spanning across multiple different areas. So yeah, fascinating to see how that business is evolving. And yeah, back to your point that you raised earlier, Zoom needed to evolve. They couldn't just stay in one. Yeah one area and i think they've executed pretty strongly across the board there and so yeah been really impressed by by what they've been doing yeah and sort of proving to everyone as well that they can compete in those new areas and they will become a force and then they just really have to convince everyone who already knows about them that hey we can do x as well which is a much easier conversation than hey you've never heard of us and i trust us to do this which i think is a brilliant message for them to have well as always this has been a really Good podcast, I think, anyway, uh, from the Cavell team uh, with myself, Finbar Begley, uh, Patrick Watson and Dominic Black here giving you the latest. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And, of course, thank you from me and everyone else. <laughs> thanks and goodbye. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. <laughs>